This morning, I want to share to you a scripture that I believe is probably the most well-known, one of the most well-known scriptures, chapters in the Bible for years and years. Songs have been wrote about it. Poems have been wrote about it. People have wrote books about it. It has been life verses. It has been a really a central verse in the life of many people over the year years. And that's Psalm 23. I felt it appropriate today as we're celebrating 23 years to come as look at this verse here, this chapter here, a few verses within this chapter to help us to remember that the Lord has been our guide and he will continue to be our guide. I realized this as I was this morning, as I was finalizing things that I, I realized that in 15 years of preaching, I have never preached a sermon from Psalm 23. I've always used it as a point of emphasis, but I've never actually preached directly from Psalm 23. But it is certainly a psalm that speaks life to us and encourages us and brings hope and one that carried the Old Testament writers, the one that carried the psalmist and one that I believe today is going to carry us even here today. Today we're celebrating 23 years of faithful ministry in this body of believers. And if there was one word I could leave with you today, it is this word, onward. Onward. And onward means this. It means to travel to a point lying ahead in space or time. And the Christian walk is one that is intended to be onward. Now, there are some other words we could have used forward. We could have used maybe some another different word but the the truth is is that sometimes the Christian walk isn't always forward it's not always directional as it just is the fact of the matter that it's onward because there are often things that trip us up and we although we should be going forward we don't always necessarily go forward but yet the truth is is the matter is is that the direction is onward it's the sense of progress, of traveling ahead, of making our destination closer and closer and closer in the walk that the Lord would have us to be. And this is really the essence of what Psalm 23 is all about. Really, Psalm 23 is this reassurance. It's a modern-day reassurance of a navigation system. Right? We all use that. I use my phone regularly to travel, especially if you're going to Southside. You have to use your phone to travel to tell you there's traffic, whatever, the HRBT is going to be closed. We use, we depend on our devices to help us, to guide us. And Psalm 23 is really this essence of guidance for the Christian life and the Christian walk. It's the reassurance that when you don't know where to go, when I don't know where to go, we have the comfort of knowing that God is able to guide us exactly where we need to go. And that's been our story. As we look back 23 years of faithful ministry, the people that have come and gone, the people that have been reached and touched, every person that's received a meal, every person that's been helped, every, every sermon that's been preached, song that's been sung, it's all been with the goal that we are moving onward. We're pressing on in a direction towards the Lord, whatever God's purpose may be, so that we can continue to see people come to the Lord. And it's, a, and it's a verse for us this morning, as we read, that can certainly be applied not just to us as a congregation, but to our individual lives. And so we're going to read the first four verses of Psalm 23 today. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside 
still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths, or some translations say paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23 is especially important psalm for my family, as my family might, would always remember my grandmother. This was a, her favorite scripture. She, I, and even since then, I've learning in her passing, I've discovered Bibles that she had this wrote down on papers over and over again. She would write this over and over. And I learned that this was a verse that she lived by, and it's a verse that I think we can all live by today. But really what is happening here in Psalm 23 is one of these uh, images where we have to really dive into the context of what David was talking about. The Lord is my shepherd. And as you begin to do that, you'll begin to understand that what David is talking about is more than just some guy who's out in the field with his sheep. It's more than just some guy who is trying to help these sheep who are stubborn and going in their own ways get to the place they need to be. What, the Lord, what David is really establishing and saying here is much more meaningful than that, and it's deeper than that. When the Bible talks about, and David says, that the Lord is my shepherd, this was a common phrase, a common metaphor in ancient Near East times that was a reference to a king or a royal metaphor. This is why many believe when you go and you look at Egyptian hieroglyphics, you'll see Pharaoh holding a staff in his hand because it was the metaphor that the king or the Pharaoh is the shepherd of the people. And this is what the same type of image that David is evoking here that would have been found in other lands at the time. Babylonian, if you remember Hammurabi from history class, you can go and read. He talks about this as well. The great leaders that would carry a staff as a symbol of being a shepherd or being a ruler over the people. So this is why David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Some believe that possibly what David was alluding to was the fact that because the people of Israel wanted a king, but David could establish here that in this moment, the Lord is our king. We don't need another king. We don't need somebody else to rule over us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Some believe that perhaps this is because there's the safety and security that the Lord, since the Lord is our divine shepherd, we don't have a fear in the world to worry about. There's not a thing that I'll have to want because God is directing and guiding my life. The fact is, is that you and I can conclude from this, as I want to share with you this morning, that the Lord is our leader, our faithful guide. He is our faithful guide. And that's what I've kind of summed this up to mean this morning. Our faithful guide. That God has guided us the past 23 years. And God will continue to guide us in the years to come. Because he is our faithful guide. And the guide is the one who directs us, shows us the way that we ought to go. And because the Lord is our divine ruler, our divine leader, we can trust his leading and the places that he wants to take us. And so David begins to explore the places where God guides us. He begins to talk about four places on this journey of the Christian life that we will all go through. Places that God wants to take us as our shepherd, as our faithful guide. And he tells them the first one is, is he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down in green pastures. When you really unpack what this means, that God makes us lie down in green pastures, really what it means is that God is seeking out an environment 
which sheep may thrive. In other words, it's a place of growth, right? When the sheep are eating green pastures, they get the nutrients that they need. They get the health that they need from the food, from the ground, from the grass. And so, excuse me, the place that the green pastures are is a place of growth. And God is our faithful guide, always has growth in mind for us. He always wants to lead us to the place that you and I can become all that he's called us to be and to take on all that he's called us to do as we are growing into the Lord. Some have said that the life as a Christian it should really be equated not to so much a staircase that I'm going from one level to another, another, but it's more like a spiral staircase that you're kind of going up and you're looking back and seeing the stairs that you just, you just saw. And there's a little bit longer of a journey, but as we are spiraling towards the growth, the place that God has called us to be, there is a sense of growth as we anticipate the future, but also look back to where we we have just been and learned from it for the next step ahead. It's green pastures. God has growth in mind for us. God doesn't desire for us to get to a place where we just become stagnant in our life as a believer. God desires for us to continue growing. This is why he's given us tools like reading the Bible, like praying, like fasting, like worshiping, all the things like gathering together on Sunday morning. These are just tools that help us facilitate our growth as believers. They are green pastures. Aren't you grateful that our God desires to lead us to a place where it's not just grass, it's not just a place of dryness, it's not just a place of there's nothingness there, it's a place of growth. It, it shows us that once again, that when you go back to the image of the Lord is my shepherd, and you think about a, a shepherd, a metaphor of a shepherd in this time, and you think about an Egyptian pharaoh as a shepherd. An Egyptian pharaoh was never interested in leading people to green pastures. It was all about themselves. They considered themselves deity. They considered themselves the source of power. And if there was going to be any green pastures, it was going to be the people bringing it to pharaoh. But this divine shepherd, our faithful God, defies the times that they were writing in. And it shows us that the Lord is willing to do what no other leader was willing to do in the times. And he's willing to step down in front of his people, take the hand of the staff, and lead us to a place of green growth, of green pastures where he has for us. The second place that God talks about, is he, or David talks about as he writes, as he says, is he leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. Really, when you can kind of unpack this even more, to be led by still waters means to be led by peaceful waters. I remember one of the, when I used to grow up, there was a lake nearby, and I remember one winter going out by that lake, and I remember it was like in the middle of winter, and it was freezing cold outside, but the lake had not quite frozen over, but it was just at that point where it was looking like it was about to. And I just remember in my mind just a vivid image of it looking like glass. And this is the type of image that really David is implying here, that there is a place where God wants to lead us, where there is peaceful waters. 
Now, when you look at the image of water throughout the Bible, there are images of water that talks about the storms you can read in the book of Acts and there being rough waters tossing here and there. The disciples on the boat with Jesus, it was a storm, winds and waves blowing everywhere. But David evokes a sense that even in the middle of all of the storms of life, even in the middle of a place where there could be danger nearby, our faithful guide desires to lead us to still waters. This is the place of comfort. A place of comfort that God has guided us this far and will continue guiding us and he desires to guide us towards places of comfort. God isn't interested in our suffering. God isn't interested in our punishment. God isn't interested in our chastisement. God isn't interested in those things. God is interested in a place of comfort. God is interested in taking us to a place where you and I might experience something he practiced himself after seven days of creation, and that is rest. Rest. A place of comfort. A place where David said, because he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. This is why people go on vacation to the beach, right? They go to a place where they see the waters, there's a calming factor about it, and when they leave their vacation, there's a sense like, ah, I've been refreshed, I've been restored. And this is how God desires our soul, our spiritual life to be, is that there is a place of comfort. Although there are waves and all those, there's distractions in life and troubles in life, God has a place of comfort in mind for you and I where he can restore our soul. Where even in the deepest, darkest places of life, there is a place of comfort where God wants to bring rest to our souls. This is why Jesus stood up and said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Why? Because God desires comfort for our souls. He is desiring comfort so much for our souls that he promised his Holy Spirit to be our comforter. The one who could be the right beside us in the moment of trouble and trial and assure us that even though things are difficult, there is a sense, I want to restore your soul. He leads us by still waters. The next thing David says is that he goes on and he says, he leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Some translations say he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And what is happening here is David is talking about a path of righteousness. And you know this as we've talked over the the past few weeks is righteousness means right living with God. It means being in the place of God's will. And so this image of the shepherd leading the sheep implies that not only a desirable destination is reached, not only are we trying to get to a good place where there is green pastures and still waters, but we are going on paths that are right, that are righteous paths. It is also ensuring us that the journey is safe. It is what God has intended for our good. So it's not just God has guided us thus far and will continue guiding us to places of growth, places of comfort, but he also intends to lead us in places of safety. Places of safety. This is the image of the path of righteousness for his name's sake. This is why God has called us to follow him, to obey his word, to put away sin and put away evil. Because a righteous path is a path of safety. A path of wickedness is a path of destruction. And so therefore, David evokes the sense, he leads me in a place of safety for his name's sake. He's guiding me exactly where I need to be so that when I get to where I need to be, everything is going to be safe and well. 
David goes on to say this next verse, which is an interesting verse, verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now you'll notice that David did something here. He changed his person, the person speaking. He was talking about God in the third person, and now he changes talking to God in the second person. He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. Before, he was saying, the Lord is my shepherd. He makes me. He leads me. He guides me. Now he's saying, even though I walk through this dark valley, I fear no evil because God, you are with me. What David has done is he has switched to making a statement about God to making a prayer. And really, this is such an appropriate verse to change the person of speaking. It's because here in Psalm 23, it's been an establishment. The Lord is my shepherd. I know he's going to take me to a place of growth, a place of safety, a place of comfort. But now I know, I, for a matter of fact, David, the one who has fought lions, tigers, and bears, Goliath, and all of the other enemies and giants that have, could have come up with me, I know for a matter of a fact that even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. It was just as much as of a proclamation as it was saying, the Lord is my shepherd. When the Bible says here that even though I walk through the darkest valley, this is one of those words that as you explore in the Hebrew language, it is this intended image of a deep, dark place. It is a place where there is nothing. There is no sign of life. It is dark. It is lonely. It is scary. It is trying to put in the mind of a sense that even in this deepest, darkest place where it might feel like evil is lurking around the corner, it might feel like that something could jump out any moment and take me. He makes an establishment by saying, I fear no evil because you are with me. Now listen, the Egyptians couldn't say that about Pharaoh. They couldn't say, Pharaoh is with us and we will fear no evil. No, they had lots of troubles in their lives. They couldn't say that in Babylon. They couldn't say that anywhere else. Only David could say it about the Lord. And the people of God could say, because the Lord is our ruler, because the Lord is our faithful guide, because the Lord is my shepherd, I will fear no evil because I know you are with me. Listen, all the other leaders at the time, they were too busy sitting on their thrones. They were too busy taking in the consumption and the attention. And our Lord defies the concept of leadership by stepping into the deepest, darkest places with us. That even though it may seem like this isn't a place where I could find God, this isn't a place that looks like God could be here. God promises this is the place where I will fear no evil because God, you are with me. David changes the person of speech to make a matter of fact to say, God, I'm right here in the valley right now, and you're with me even now, even in this deepest, darkest valley. It is the good news, as some has said, that there is no place in which the Lord's presence cannot manifest itself to dispel fear and to deliver those who suffer. It is the promise, it is the good news that God's presence is with us even in the deepest, darkest valley. That he promises places of growth, places of comfort, places of safety. And he promises that even when we do end up in places that are the deepest, darkest possible place, it is the promise that God right now, you are here with me. 
And so he goes on to say this even more. He says, you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This morning I tried to find a rod and a staff, but I couldn't find one on demand to try to paint this picture for you. A rod and a staff, when you think about a shepherd, normally we see this, shepherd, this staff in the hand of a shepherd that this has this like hook on it. And a rod in another hand, which would have been a shorter stick. And this is no coincidence that David says, you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Really what David is doing here is he's trying to relay the image that the rod was the instrument of defense. It was what would have been used to defend off any predators. If a lion tried to come, that rod was going on his head. If a wolf tried to jump out, nope, that rod was striking him right on the head. If anybody else tried, this rod was used as a sign, an instrument of defense. The staff was used, it had the rounded hook. It was an instrument of a guide. It was rounded in a way so that when he used it, he could prod the sheep with it in such a way that it wouldn't hurt them, it wouldn't harm them. But it was done in such a way that it was a gentle nudging to be where they needed to be. There was an instrument of defense, but there was also an instrument of guide. It shows us the picture that God is not only protecting us, defending us on the outside, but he's also protecting us on the inside by guiding us where we need to be. There was the rod to keep off the predators and the, the staff to protect the sheep to get them where they needed to be when they didn't know exactly how to get there. Green pastures, still waters, all of those were done because the rod, it was done as God's way of guiding the people where they needed to be. He is our faithful guide. And David sums up this part of talking about our shepherd with the rod and the staff and talking about this image because it doesn't matter if we go through places of green pastures. It doesn't matter if we go through places that are still waters, paths of righteousness. It doesn't matter if we are the darkest in the darkest valley, David says this, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What David is saying is this, is that even through all of the seasons that we go through in life, all of the places that God takes us, God's staff, God's rod comfort me so much so that I know that whatever comes up ahead in my life, it gives me the reassurance that right now God is here. Right now God is present. When the Bible says your rod and your staff, they comfort me as the musicians come. Really what he's talking about, comfort is not a strong enough word to paint the picture of what is meant here. Your rod and your staff, really what this word should maybe be better translated. It could be deeper than that. It could be that your rod and your staff, they give me courage. They give me courage. They give me a sense that I can keep going because my Lord is a shepherd and he can protect me from whatever's on the outside and he can guide me right now on the inside to wherever I need to be. It was painting the picture that God gives me courage to live life to follow this journey of following the Lord. And it doesn't matter if I'm going to experience a green pasture, still waters, paths of righteousness, or the deepest, darkest valley. I have the courage to keep going onward because God has been guiding me and I can trust God will continue to guide me. And can I say to us all today as All Nations Church that God has guided us faithfully for 23 years. Here we are, the fruit of labors, the fruit of God's blessing as being our faithful guide for 23 years. 
And can it just be a word of comfort, encouragement to us all that if God has guided us thus far, oh, how we can be reassured God is going to continue guiding us every step of the way. It doesn't matter if it's a green pasture, still waters, the deepest, darkest valley. I know you are with me. Will you stand with me this morning? Would you just close your eyes with me for a moment? We have so much to be thankful to the Lord for. All of us here today, we just have so much to be thankful for. How God just knows exactly what we need. Places of growth, comfort, and safety. And he promises us to guide us, to be with us. He's our faithful guide. God's been guiding us. And this morning, maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today and you need God to guide you in your life. You need the reassurance that this morning, whatever you're going through, whatever place you're at, that God, you can be comforted by the fact you can have courage because God has the rod and staff. You don't have to worry about anybody else having it. No, God is faithful. He'll prod us. He'll help us get where we need to be. But he'll also defend us from any predator coming. He's our God. He's our faithful shepherd, our faithful leader. And we can trust him this morning. As the choir comes today, we're going to sing this morning. We're going to give thanks to the Lord for guiding us and being with us all these 23 years and thankful and praying for the next 23 that God would continue to guide us today. And this morning you're here and you need the comfort, the reassurance that God is with you this morning. Can I just encourage you today to look up and call upon him today? Put your hope in him this morning. Oh, he's been leading people since ancient times. He can still lead us even today. Let's sing this morning all together.